Kia ora, I'm Erin Keem and you're listening to Conversations About Closets with my closest thousand friends. I started this project to get me through a gloomy Seattle winter, which was hitting me hard. The thing is, I love women. Why not showcase them? Why not call women I've never met, have our first conversation, record it and turn it into a podcast? So that's what I did. I didn't edit, I still don't. Some days I'm on fire, some days not so much, and sometimes I even forgot to ask questions about closets. But all my guests are amazing. Listen up, get to know them, you'll be glad you did. If you want to be a guest on my show, go to erinkeem.com. I'd love to meet you. Aroha for listening, here's today's episode. Lisa. Hello, Erin. How are you? I'm great, and it's so nice to reconnect. Absolutely. I, You know how I figured out it was you is because Aroha, and I was like, oh my gosh, she's Australian. That's right. I remember her. Because <laughs> I remember when I met you, you just always had such a sunny disposition and so much positivity, even though we never really you know, had a lengthy conversation, you definitely left an impression. Well, so did you. This is a woman who embraces the word audacious, and and I want to ask you all about that. I hate to correct you. I'm from New Zealand. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, I'm fine. You know, us Americans, we mix those up liberally, and I apologize. Thank you, because I want to get it right. Thank you for Uh, The countries are very close to each other. Our accents are very similar, and I completely and utterly understand. (laughs) But, but, you know, think New Zealand is Kiwis and Australia is koalas. So there you go. Good to know. Excellent. <laughs> Lisa, Lisa, how do I pronounce your last name? Levine. Oh, fantastic. I was worried I had it wrong. Now, to find Lisa, who is a health and uh, life coach, you can find her at audaciouswellness.com. And as I said, Lisa embraces the word audacious, and the energy just absolutely leaps off your website. What does the word audacious mean to you? That's a great question. Um, To me, audacious really is about stepping out of my comfort zone and taking what feel like bold moves to me um, or bold risks. Um, And that is really different for everybody. So for me, you know, it was audacious to write a book that was super audacious because it was something that I never really allowed myself to believe that I could do. And I've done it and it was an audacious move and it felt great. and, and just going back, you know, it was an, I, I don't know about you. I'm also not from Seattle. Clearly, you're from far away. It felt audacious to me to move to the West Coast and to move to Seattle many years ago. I was an East Coaster and I was like a huge part of my identity. And then to move out here felt like a super audacious move and was one of the best things I've ever done. Um, so, yeah, audacious is about doing something, about believing in yourself. And even though you're afraid, you do it. I am so excited to talk about your book, and we absolutely will do that. It's called Midlife No Crisis, which is just brilliant. So Midlife No Audacious, there's that word again, an audacious guide to embracing 50 and beyond. And you can get that on on Amazon or go to Lisa's website. Now, Lisa, you realized you've really been coaching your entire life, but you started off with film and the music industry. Yes, true story. Um, I was a film student at NYU way back in the day. And um, as a result, I ended up, I I loved 
film, but I was completely absorbed by anything music. Like I was the girl in New York City in the 80s who was at every club every night and had to be like in the front row next to the amplifier. Like I wanted to, I wanted to embody the music. It's a miracle that I still have any hearing left. But yeah, I, I was about to say that. <laughs> but knock wood, I do. Uh, so I ended up getting a job, um, getting an internship, which led to a job in the music video department. And that was back in the days when MTV was at its pinnacle and it was super, super fun. And that's where I started. And the reason why I said I was always, I've always been coaching is because what I found is that I've always been kind of like a bridge, but to, to a communication bridge. Um, so in the music business and in the um, when I was repping music video directors, it was like I was a bridge from the creative to the people who, who had the money to the clients and vice versa. Because I'm a good listener and because I really feel like I have one of my personal gifts is an ability to, to really intuit what somebody is feeling and what, what's between the lines, I guess, is what I want to say. So that was the part of my work that, you know, beyond the music and beyond the film that I adored. I loved talking to my clients and to um, all the people. I love talking to people. So um, that is kind of where I, I took it. And I, a couple of times in my, throughout my life, I started to go back to school to get a master's degree in, um, in therapy. I wanted to be a, a, a marriage and family therapist, but um, both times I was thwarted once by a, an amazing job offer to run a production company. And then it, by an amazing pregnancy of, from my son, who's now 22. Um, so that was kind of in my, in my consciousness. And then when I discovered coaching and life coaching, it was like major bells went off. That felt so right to me because um, coaching is really about, you think of it almost as like, um, I don't know, a, uh, a trainer, like a personal trainer, but for your mind instead of a therapist. And so it's really great about really just listening and, and um, reflecting back and then help giving my clients tools to help them find their own way. And I will point out that, to quote another author, elite, elite athletes have coaches all the way through their careers and mm -hmm. uh, people who uh, are not elite athletes don't. So if you want what somebody yeah, so if you want what somebody has got, find out how they've done it and, and a coach will be part of that journey. You also studied with Martha Beck or you have a Martha Beck certification? When I was uh, I had read one of her, her first book I read of hers was a book called Expecting Adam, which, um, and I read it right after I had my son. And it's all about uh, a pregnancy that she had when she found out that her son, Adam, has Down syndrome and what she was going to do about the pregnancy and all kinds of magical things that started to happen to her, to somebody, magical things that happen to a person who's very much straight ahead academic working on her second PhD at Harvard. And so she told this story so beautifully that I was completely enamored of her. And I, a couple of years later, I found I was like in a doctor's office or a dentist's office and I picked up an Oprah magazine and read this article. And I don't remember exactly what it was about, but I remember being completely delighted by it. And at the end, it was written by her, this woman who I knew I liked. And it said that she was a life coach. And I didn't know what that was. It's the first time I'd ever heard the term. So uh, I kept seeing that. And then as it started to become a little bit more 
something that was kind of in the lexicon of the world, I, I eventually, I went to her website and flirted with it for a long time and then audaciously hit go and decided to, um, to move forward with it. And that was sort of coincided with my own personal um, midlife quote unquote crisis. Cause now I understand that it was not a crisis at all. It was an awakening, a transformation, a bunch of other things, but not a crisis. I'm reading the book North Star. At the oh moment. my gosh, that's my favorite. And, and one of my favorites. And in fact, the training that we do is very much based around that. And the one that's after that, which is steering by starlight. Now you also, if, if I, you in the mid, you were in your mid twenties before you discovered an exotic delicacy called asparagus. <laughs> true story, true story. I, you know, where I grew up in the suburbs of Philadelphia in the nineteen seventies, um, it was you know, most vegetables came out of a, a can or your freezer, and uh, at least in my house. My father didn't like vegetables at all. So it was very much my mother cooked whatever my father wanted because that's how she was raised. And so they just weren't around. And, you know, when you don't have a taste for them, you just decline. So I remember, you know, picking vegetables out of my Chinese food, for instance, you know, like, oh, that's great. <laughs> nope, can't do it. Um, and it, so I never, it just never was in my, in my mind. And so, yeah, I didn't ever taste fresh asparagus or broccoli for that matter, or let alone cauliflower, gasp, never a beat, forget about it, um, until I was well into my 20s, for sure. And then, excuse me, no. I was going to say, and after, along your journey, there were some medical issues, which also brought nutrition front and center into your life. Yes, absolutely. So um, it started for me in my I guess it was my early 30s, uh, I was diagnosed with something called Graves disease, which is a hyper um, hyperthyroid autoimmune condition. And I found it because uh, I had horrible insomnia, which, you know, a lot of women have it. I have learned now, I've learned everything there is to know about insomnia, to be honest, because I had it on and off for years. But that's when it began. And my regular doctor, my GP, uh, when I met with him and said, I haven't been sleeping for the last couple of weeks, he said, well, let's get you some sleeping pills, which was great. However, he had absolutely no curiosity as to why I wasn't sleeping. And I was really wondering about that. So a friend of mine said, you should go see a naturopathic doctor. And this was probably in, I guess it was around 96, 1996. You know, so I, again, being that East Coast suburban girl, I didn't even really know what that was particularly. But I took her advice and I made an appointment with a doctor. And um, the first thing she said to me when she heard that I wasn't sleeping was, huh, let's test your thyroid. And of course, that was the issue. So that already in, in brought me a great deal of confidence in naturopathic medicine, which then at the time was very much an alter alternative. And I think in some parts of the world, it's still extremely alternative, but living in Seattle, as long as I have, it's not, it's very much de rigueur. So, you know, everyone and their mother has a naturopath or is, you know, or knows one or sees one or whatever. So um, that began it. And I ended up treating my Graves disease, the, the typical way to do it was, and it's, I think it might still be the typical way to treat it is to swallow a, a capsule that includes radioactive iodine, 
which goes and burns out your thyroid. So your thyroid becomes low functioning and then you um, end up taking uh, levothyroxine or some kind of thyroid uh, booster, which is, you know, a lot of women do that because they have a low thyroid. But it, what got me was when they, I said, that doesn't sound very safe. And the doctor said, well, it's totally safe. We do it all the time. But um, we do recommend that after you take it, that if you check into a hotel for 24 to 48 hours, make sure you flush the toilet, don't hug your kids or your pets. And I'm thinking, okay, that sounds not safe to me. And this was right before I was supposed to, to do in vitro because my husband and I needed, were told we needed to do in vitro to get pregnant. So that just all sounded very, very weird. So I, this set me off into a 18-month journey of learning about alternative therapies. You know, and again, for me, everything was alternative. Back then, acupuncture was way out there. Now that seems pretty normal. But I did do some woo-woo stuff too. I, I did a shamanic soul retrieval. I did anything that I could do to, um, to get right so that I could get pregnant. And a lot of it was about what I was eating and not eating. For sure. So audacious. Uh, I was <laughs> freaked out when I heard the word radioactive. Yeah. It's like, right. seriously? Radio radioactive? Don't hug, yeah. your, don't hug your kids. Don't flush the toilet. You know, make sure you flush the toilet. How, how can this be? And I love the fact that you did some soul searching with a, with a, uh, a shaman. A shaman, yeah. however you pronounce that. I mean, yeah. why not? And it, it is wonderful how things like Life coach, naturopath, uh, acupuncture are now so much more accepted. But you were very audacious, there's that word again, for investigating that, you know, back when it wasn't. Uh, I believe your daughter also was diagnosed with uh, a particular illness, which also uh, also reinforced your desire to use food for healing. 100%. So I, we, when I did get pregnant using in vitro, I was so lucky and so blessed that it worked and there's a whole bunch of cool stuff that happened around that, but it happened for us the second time. And my son um, is now 22. And they told us pretty clearly that um, two different experts told us that we would never be able to get pregnant on our own um, due to a variety of reasons. And it wasn't one of those things where, oh, your body just needs to figure it out. It was actually, your husband has no sperm count. They don't, they can't swim. They're shaped weird. It's just never going to happen. And I remember saying like, could I, could, couldn't we just keep trying? And one guy laughed at me and said, you can try all you want, but you got a one in a million chance of it ever happening. And when my son was 15 months old, I ended up pregnant. And I said to my husband, I'm late. He said, late for what? I mean, like he had no idea. <laughs> so my daughter, who's now 20, when she was 11, was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which is the opposite of Graves' disease. It's a low-functioning thyroid autoimmune condition that a lot of women our age, a lot of women who are in their 40s and 50s end up getting diagnosed with this. Um, she would have terrible stomach aches. Um, she would cry and she, she would just say to me, mom, I'm so tired that my, my, I'm tired in my bones. She just didn't know, she couldn't, she didn't have the words for it. So when she got diagnosed, the naturopath said, why don't you try putting her on a low, a low inflammatory diet and see if that, if that helps? And I didn't even know what that meant exactly. And she said, get off of gluten and dairy and refined sugar. And um, there were a few other things and just see if it helps, see if that helps. And oh my gosh, within a week, she was, her stomach aches were gone. And within two weeks, she was feeling more energetic 
And it was kind of a miracle. And I decided to try it with her because um, I didn't want her to be the only one in the family that was doing this quote unquote weird thing, you know, and my husband and my son were, had no interest in, you know, in eating and not in changing their eating habits. So I experimentally did it with her and it made a huge difference for me too. I, it took me a little bit longer to fully embrace the fact, like there's a lot of denial about dairy in particular. It's like, what do you mean I can't eat yogurt? But that's not cool. I love yogurt. You know, I was pissed <laughs> once I realized that it actually made a difference. So I was in denial, but honestly, I don't even think about it anymore. I just so much more appreciate being in a body that feels good. And along the way, you became a lot lighter, which is, uh, which can be, which can be a healthier, uh, it can help with health. How, how did that become, how did that happen? Well, that happened right around that same time. And it was definitely um, through changing what I ate. I had really put on a lot of weight after I had my kids and I never really took it off. And I think that part of that was because I was also kind of depressed. I mean, I, I you know, I was a little bit lost. That's a whole other podcast we could do on this. Let me just tell you. But like, you know, after I had my kids, I had a little bit of an identity thing where I thought, you know, I'd worked so hard to become the person that I was. I didn't have my kids until I was, um, I was 35 when I had my son, 37 when I had my daughter. So I'd had this whole life before that. And I'd never really understood the fact that when you become a mother, I always thought that once I had my kids, it would be like me plus, like, you know, I'd be me plus I'd be a mom. So I'd be like a superwoman. Nobody really explained it to me that like, yeah, you have your kids, but then you've got to put a ton of stuff that you're used to doing and who you on, on the shelf for a little while. And that you don't, it's not a plus for me. It felt like, like a, a loss. There was some grieving of losing my prior identity and so much guilt and shame around those feelings that I really got um, kind of depressed because my God, I had to work so hard to become a mother. You know, who was I to feel any at all, any, um, any regrets or any weirdness about it. So I think that for me, I, the weight was also on because I was depressed and not conscious, not intentional, just getting through the days. So um, I, when I, all of these things started to happen around the same time, which was losing weight, but also becoming, going through my coach training and changing how I ate. So it was like a couple year period. And um, I think that those things all really conspired to help me, to help my body change. And it did. And, you know, I, look, I mean, I have no, I'm, I'm never going to be a bathing suit model and I'm okay with that. I'm really fine with it, but. Lisa, I've lost you. Oh, did you get me? I, I lost you for a moment and I'm sure it was the most important sentence you would ever <laughs> utter in your life. You were saying that you weren't a bathing suit model and I was saying all women are bathing suit models. Right. <laughs> okay, let me rephrase. I wouldn't, I'm, I'm not the traditional bathing suit model, but what I said after that was I'm totally okay with that mm. because I'm in a body. I'm so much more comfortable in my skin now at age 57 and in my 50s so far to, to than I ever was in my 30s and probably most of my 40s. I am so much more comfortable in my body and in my skin. And now you focus on helping women in their 50s, but May I just ask, when did you get the, you became a culinary nutrition expert as part of this journey, yeah. didn't you? 
I did. Um, so what happened was after I became a certified life coach, uh, one of the things, and especially if you're reading the Martha Beck book, um, Finding Your Own North Star, you'll know that one of the ways that you, when you're doing this kind of personal growth work is you really start to pay attention to the things that light you up, you know, that make you go, oh yeah, more of this, please. I'm gonna keep following this direction. Yes, I love this. And for me, it was always around nutrition and health and cooking and gathering people around and nourishing people and nurturing people. And so once I really keep, you know, targeted in on that, at first I added um, a certification to be a health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. And I loved that. And then I wanted to go a little bit deeper and I found this program through uh, the Academy of Culinary Nutrition, which is all about cooking for health and specific health issues. And so I dove into that um, and it was terrific. I mean, I it just absolutely cemented my belief that um, food is medicine. Food is can be the difference between health and dis-ease. You know, I mean, that's what disease means. It's disease and, and food can be the, um, the key thing for so many people. Mm, and how it influences moods. Oh my God. Yeah, completely. See, that's the other, when I was in, um, at the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, one of the things that I learned is that there are two kinds of food. There's primary food and secondary food. Uh, the food on your plate, that's secondary food. The food that feeds your life, that's primary food. So, you know, your career, your hobbies, your relationships, your spirituality, your, you know, your fitness, whatever, all of those things together create your primary food. And if you're, if you're not eating, if your secondary food isn't fueling your body, then you don't have the energy to do the things that feed your soul. And if you're not doing the things that feed your soul, that feed your life, that make you fully you, then you're probably going to come home or, you know, and sit in front of the television and eat crap because you don't really care. You don't have the energy. You don't care. So they work together. And I mm. firmly believe that it's really a mind, body, spirit, partnership, wellness. And that's the thing about wellness for me. Some wellness gets kind of a bad rap. It's, um, it's definitely a buzzword in the last few years. And there was an article that came out. I can't remember if it was the New York times or New York, something, some big publication, but it was talking about how wellness was just synonymous with the diet industry. And I could see how the author believed that. And she gave a lot of really good examples, but for me, wellness is not that wellness is an individual, um, goal. I mean, everybody's idea of what's wellness for you might not be what's wellness for me. And so, but it is always um, a body, mind, spirit partnership, in my opinion. And that's the place I come from when I coach. Mm. Lisa provides food and mood coaching, which is a beautiful and unusual niche. And they do go hand in hand. Would you tell me about this incredible, amazing, wonderful book that you have written? called Midlife No Crisis, An Audacious Guide to Embracing 50 and Beyond, which is available yes. on Amazon. I will point it out. Thank you. It is available on Amazon. And also you can get your local bookseller to order it for you. Um, I would say that this book really is the perfect antidote to any time you're feeling stuck or in 
a midlife crisis, or even if you're in a different part of your life and you're feeling stuck um, and you're not sure, like if you have, you know, the, <laughs> there could be a whole myriad of pesky negative thoughts and self-doubt and it can lead for us, lead us to feel paralyzed, numb or stuck. So when this happens, the, really the way out is often through small steps. And so this book, Midlife No Crisis, is it is it delivers helpful information and anecdotes in bite-sized pieces so and it I feel like it's pretty relatable and the advice and what I talk about in there is manageable um, for women who are in overwhelm so it kind of helps women move out of the overwhelm and back into the driver's seat heading toward infinite possibility and you know not everybody struggles in midlife not everybody has a you know a midlife crisis but uh people do and it, it turns out that it's a really normal time for women to start going wait who am I again how did I get here to 50 or to close to 50 and my, you know if you have children it can be um my gosh I knew that the exit ramp was coming but here it is and now I, I forgot to plan for actually where I'm gonna go after I drop them <laughs> off you know or or whatever it is and another thing that happens typically to women at our age is that it becomes a greater search for meaning. You know, we kind of go, okay, like, is that all there is? Like, wait a minute, I just show up and I get up every day and I do this thing. Like, I want to know, um, like for me, it came about at work where I would be talking to some of the folks that I worked with and I worked at this production company and they would talk, we would all get together, you know, sit at a big table at lunch and eat. And after a while, I suddenly realized I don't want to talk about, you know, like, um, the equipment that they're using to shoot this piece or I don't want to talk about like the latest movies I want to talk about the universe I want to talk about important stuff I want to talk about about infinite possibility and so looking for meaning is a really normal thing it's just that sometimes when we're feeling stuck we don't recognize that that's exactly what it is so yeah this book um this book is definitely I want it to be part of an age positive revolution so to speak, because I really do believe that life after 50 is so full of possibility and promise that um, it's time to stop paying attention to those cultural myths where, you know, we're told that over being over 50 is being 50 is over the hill, that our best years are behind us. Um, one thing that I despise is when people tell me that I, it's important to age gracefully, because I always think like, where did that come from? What, what man taught us, started that rumor? Like, what does that even mean? Does that mean gracefully mean be quiet and like do what you're supposed to do and follow the rules? Is that because I'm not down with that. That's why I like age audaciously. I think that it's really about be as loud as you want, do whatever you want wear whatever you want. You know what I mean? Like just, there's no rules. Speaking of wearing what you want, and <laughs> I love the fact that you help women in their fifties, because of course you've been through, you, you share your experience, you share your experience, your wisdom, what you've learned to help other women who are, who are so they can age healthily and age intentionally. But speaking of what you want to wear, <laughs> you are wearing a fabulous cowboy hat on your website. Can you tell me about that? <laughs> I can. I got that hat. It's a Stetson and I got it uh, in Austin, Texas at a music festival in probably 2006-ish maybe. Uh, South I by was Southwest? Or? Actually, it was Austin City Limits. And um, I, But I used to, you know, because as I said earlier, like music is my thing, I never stopped loving music and going to festivals and watching live music and 
all of that stuff. So it was like, my kids were little. And I think I said it to my husband, like, I got, I got to go, I got to get out of here. I got to go do something for me and my best friend and I, uh, who she's a bass player. We went to Austin city limits and we both bought the same hat. And so for years we'd have to check, are you wearing the hat? Cause I'm going to wear the hat to this thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but because it's a Stetson, you know, it has survived very well all these years because it's a well-made hat. And I really believe in getting things sometimes in spending the extra money for the thing that's going to last forever. Which includes coaching. Definitely Which includes coaching. You, definitely something you should invest into invest in because coaching uh, has longevity. Just well, like that's investing in yourself. That mm -hmm. in, that's investing in yourself. And that's absolutely the most worthwhile thing you can do is invest in yourself you do work one-on-one -on -one with clients which is fantastic you also recommend products you have a uh you, you recommend various products you have a shop page um and i know you mentioned bulletproof coffee and you've also mentioned adaptogens what's an adaptogen oh adaptogens they're like one of the things i'm super passionate about adaptogens are um herbs or roots or um or mushrooms that uh, essentially help your body's endocrine system adapt how it needs to adapt. So what I mean is if you uh, have very low energy, adaptogens can help boost your energy. If you're running too hot, adaptogens can help you settle down. There, in order to be classified as an adaptogen, a, a, a plant has to be non-toxic to everyone and to help balance the hormonal, your hormones. So I feel like that's a pretty good, uh, that's a pretty good list. They, they're not toxic. They very rarely have side effects. Sometimes um, certain adaptogens might make you feel a little bit too energetic. It really depends, everyone is different, but some that you might have heard of would be ginseng. In fact, ginseng, uh, Siberian ginseng, I think was the first quote unquote adaptogen and was that phrase was coined by the Russian scientist who discovered that it helped um, the cosmonauts uh, readjust in when in space to when they came down, when they came back to Earth. And that's, at least the rumor has it that that's how adaptogens got their name. So ginseng is one that you might've heard of. You might've heard of maca, which is a kind of a common, um, what else? Reishi is a mushroom. Maca is a root. My favorite adaptogen is something, it's a um, Ayurvedic root and it's called ashwagandha. And I love it because it is a real, it definitely helps me, helps me relax in the sense that, um, how do I want to explain it? So it's not like my stress is gone. It's not like I walk around and because of ashwagandha, I'm not stressed. But what it does do is it modulates my, my stress response. So I might still get stressed, but maybe not quite as high or quite as quickly. And then the bounce back is much more reasonable, I, you know, I, I've noticed that my stress response has been very wonderfully impacted by ashwagandha. Um, reishi and all the mushrooms that are, that are adaptogenic really help, can also help your immune system. Um, turkey tail, I don't know if turkey tail is actually an adaptogen now that I'm saying that, I know that it's an immune modulator. So anyway, yes, I'm obsessed with anything that comes from the plant, any, any play, any way that we can, find healing through a natural substance versus a pharmaceutical substance. I'm absolutely passionate about that. And Elon Musk, if you're listening, you might want to check out ginseng <laughs> if you are planning on sending people into space. 
<laughs> and like Lisa, I want to give a shout out to Imperfect Foods, which provides ugly fruit and vegetables. I'm quoting them. Uh, it's a great way to get organic vegetables that otherwise uh, might not, that otherwise could end up uh, not being utilized. Oh, Before yeah, we finish off, I, I think you're doing some work with Dr. Louise Ross. Rose, Dr. Rose. Yeah, Rose, she's, thank you. She's one of my dearest friends and has been my muse since the day I met her. Um, she's a naturopathic doctor in Portland. When I met her, she lived in Seattle. We had a mutual friend that introduced us. Um, she's she we we went to her house. She was like seven months pregnant with her second child, and she was absolutely glowing. And she provided this unbelievable meal. Everything except for I think the fish and the strawberries came from her garden. And I remember having just moved here from California. I went, you you grew those potatoes in your backyard. Really? Like that was absolutely mind boggling to me. And she has always been ahead of the curve with so many things. Um, you know, she was the first person to tell me about Bulletproof Coffee. Only she called it butter coffee. And I distinctly remember going, that's disgusting. I never put <laughs> butter in my coffee ever. <laughs> and I promise you that it's not disgusting. In fact, I had a, a Bulletproof Coffee this morning. Um, so she, yeah, I do retreats with her. We do, um, women's retreats. Well, of course we haven't done one. We didn't do one last year because of COVID. And I don't think we're going to do one this year either, but our retreats are called Yes, This. And it is all about helping women reconnect to those yes, this moments. Like I mentioned earlier, those things that make you go, oh, right. I'm on my path. I'm on the path to my North star. This is, this is how I do it. Um, and it's wonderful between the two of us, we really use her naturopathic training and my training as a life coach to come together and we help women learn how to do the, how it feels to, when you're nourishing your body with delicious food. We cook, we do all the food ourselves and we do journaling and we do um, vision boarding, but we also, we teach a lot of stuff about essential oils, so many things, all the things we're passionate about. We give women a little taste of all of that so that they can see what works for them and then um, follow their own path. You had me at vision board. I have an overwhelming sense to uh, urge to rush to a grocery store and fill up my cart with vegetables. So your work here is done. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> to find out more about Lisa, please go to audaciouswellness.com and uh, the book, I mean, if you want to have a midlife with no crisis, <laughs> which I think, please, please talk to Lisa. Thank you so yes. much for your time today. I hope I get to see you in person again. Oh, my gosh. Thank you for, for inviting me on your show. I just love having these kinds of conversations. And as I said before, it's delightful to reconnect with you. And, yes, I hope that we do get to see each other again sometime in real life, hopefully this year even, <laughs> all God and willing and and I won't even that. have to yell in your ear because you still actually have your hearing. <laughs> I do. Yay. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much, goodness. Lisa. Bye. My pleasure.